Hello and welcome to Stump, Death and Taxes. This is Meep, also known as Mary Pat Campbell. I'm a life actuary and today I'm talking about Detroit. As they might be giants would sing, say nice things about Detroit. Well, sorry, not going to say any nice things today per se. It's about Detroit's bankruptcy 10 years ago. And how are they doing now? We're going to look at the timeline, see where they stand now, and a few things that are going on right now that are still fallout from their bankruptcy in 2013. So let me jump to a piece from Reason magazine uh, by James M. Homan. Uh, a decade after bankruptcy, is Detroit better? So I'm just going to do uh, some excerpts. If there is a lesson from Detroit's 2013 bankruptcy, it's that going broke can only take a city so far. Municipal bankruptcy is a process that gets a city out of debts that it can't pay. But city residents don't get better services when those debts are canceled. There are some things that ought to surprise people about city finances. When Detroit filed for bankruptcy in July 2013, residents found out that the group the city owed the most money to was not banks or bondholders or city contractors. It was the city's pensioners. Former city employees accidentally became Detroit's largest creditors because the city didn't have enough money to pay them what they were owed. This should not be. When governments promise to pay their employees pensions, they should set aside enough money to pay for them. This keeps the cost of pensions on current taxpayers and doesn't push the costs into the future. Michigan has a constitutional requirement that public officials properly pre-fund pensions, but that did not happen in Detroit. This wasn't a simple mistake. Multiple Detroit pension officers and advisors were sent to prison for bribery. So Detroit retirees got their pensions cut in bankruptcy. The city no longer pays for retiree health insurance. Retirees instead rely on coverage from the Obamacare exchanges and any subsidies they may be eligible for there plus Medicare when eligible. Pensioners would have gotten a better deal had the people managing their investments not been corrupt and exploited their positions to benefit themselves. So that's the end of the excerpt I'm going to take from that piece. In the show notes, I will link to the reason piece. It's got a lot more detail than I'm going to read, but I have been following the bankruptcy since it started. Uh, since before Stump started. So Stump itself started in 2014. Um, now, when the bankruptcy was filed in federal court in 2013, so it was what, I think it was July 2013, and another piece I will be reading from, I think it said July 18th, 2013. That doesn't mean the process was over. So Stump itself... And I blogged, you know, so some of you listening to this may have been following me for quite some time and know that I blogged in multiple places before I started my own site. Um, after multiple <laughs> sites I was blogging on other people's sites went defunct, um, Stuart, 
my husband, uh, and that's Stump. Again, for newbies, uh, Stump is Stu, my husband, and MP, that's me, Mary Pat. Um, so that's Stump. Um, that's where the name comes from. And uh, built our own website, and that started in spring 2014. Anyway, in November 2014, I posted about the Detroit bankruptcy on Stump. And it was titled Detroit Bankruptcy. It's over, but it's not. So the process, and this is very high level, obviously. You file for bankruptcy in federal court. This is municipal bankruptcy. But that actually begins a process. You have your various creditors, and you have to put together a plan that's going to be approved by the bankruptcy judge. This is supposed to equitably uh, treat the different creditors, and then you're supposed to start from scratch. You're fresh. You're at zero for debt. So this is what I said. This is November 12th, 2014. I wrote, last week, Detroit's bankruptcy plan was approved. So this is in federal bankruptcy court, you know, bankruptcy judge. The judge overseeing the process has given Detroit the go-ahead to implementing its bankruptcy exit plan. So that's how you exit bankruptcy. The thing is, there are several clouds looming over Detroit, the main one being its pensions. And you're going to see this is a theme. Now, what's interesting about this case versus a lot of the pensions I cover, like Illinois and New Jersey and Kentucky, is that supposedly they were making full contributions to the pension plans. But one of the things that I had been noticing, it's not just the bribery. I mean, there were a whole bunch of things coming out and like one of the prior mayors ended up in federal prison. Other people ended up in federal prison over this bribery. But on top of the bribery and all of these other things that were going on, there was a pension obligation bond and it was called something else, but it was a pension obligation bond. That was part of the corruption. And there were uh, lawsuits over that and whether that was a legitimate uh, issue. And you know what? I'm not a lawyer. I don't want to get into this. However, one of the big issues, though, and this also touched on places like Puerto Rico and, of course, Illinois, but Puerto Rico especially, because that's, I don't want to say corruption, but um, loose practices may be, may be the best way of putting it. So if you have an issue with these bond issues, the question is, what happens to the municipal bond market? If you can't trust that uh, as a bond buyer, that the issuer might come back and say, well, you know, that was issued by corrupt officials and therefore we are not going to honor it. Um, that was part of the argument and that came up during the bankruptcy proceedings, by the way. In any case, the, uh, from the time in 2014, so this was from a news piece, documents filed with the bankruptcy court show that Detroit plans to continue its past practice of making undersized pension contributions in the near term while promising to ramp them up in the future. 
This approach is by no means unusual. Many other cities and states do it on the advice of their actuaries. Detroit's pension fund for general city workers, now said to be 74% funded, is scheduled to go into a controlled decline to just 65% by 2043. The police and firefighters fund will slide to 78% from 87%. After that, the city's contributions are scheduled to come roaring back, bringing the plan up to 100% funding by 2053. And just remember that for a moment, because there is a current lawsuit that is in the year 2023 about this sliding, about these contributions. And this is also when I do my analysis and I do my pension projections, I extract from a website the public plans database and I pull all the plans and there are two the the two Detroit pension plans the police and firefighters that's one plan together and then the city workers but I've not been able to do anything with those plans because for the quote city or I should say employer contributions for 2015 to now there's zero sitting there. I don't have anything sitting there for the required contribution or the actuarial required contribution from the employer and what they actually paid. It's sitting there as a zero, and I thought this was bogus. That's for both plans. And I'm like, well, I can't do anything with this. Now, other items such as the funded ratio and how many assets they are, I had info for that. So it was being put in by the the database and i'm like what's going on with this i did not realize this was part of the bankruptcy workout and that gives you an idea the difference of the perspective if you're like a local reporter of course you're going to focus just on the detroit stuff however you know i'm a blogger you know and i'm doing this i'm not picking out specific plans usually i'm usually trying to pull from the entire country and trying to do an analysis of what the trajectories are and if there's a weird plan in there you know i just exclude it because it's throwing off the analysis i'm trying to do i did not realize and by the way the funded ratios have basically been treading water because the way it actually worked out it's not that they're getting zero contributions because that's not what's happening it's that the city of detroit is officially not giving contributions to these plans the contributions are coming from the employees so that's one source and then there was kind of a fund and you know i don't know the details of it it's part of the bankruptcy workout i think this is part of the grand bargain that comes with the art museum um there was just a big pile of assets that's being used to fund a whole bunch of stuff. So let's go to the recent news, which is from the Detroit News, dated July 11th, 2023. Detroit police and fire pensioners push back on bankruptcy ruling to extend payments. So let me read a few excerpts. The police and fire retirement system of Detroit filed on Monday a motion for reconsideration, pushing back on a federal bankruptcy judge's ruling in favor of the Duggan administration's plan to extend the city's pension payment obligations over 30 years rather than 20 years. The city's police and fire retirees are continuing litigation that has been ongoing since August when the city administration initially filed suit 
against the pension system to enforce a 30-year payout schedule. On June 26, Judge Thomas Tucker ruled in the city's favor, stating that a 30-year amortization period is indeed part of the bankruptcy plan of adjustment and that the police fire retirement system cannot change it. The new motion seeks clarification of the court's possible imposition of a 6.75% rate of return that was specifically set to expire after 10 years under the plan of adjustment, the bankruptcy exit plan. After June 30th, the pension fund's rate of return and its amortization funding policy are within the purview of the Police and Fire Retirement System's Board of Trustees and Investment Committee, according to the pensioner's filing. At the 30-year determined rate, the city will complete its debt obligations in 2054. Police and fire retirees want their pension fund to be made whole sooner. So this is what had confused me for 10 years, and this is the police and fire and for the city employees funds, as far as I can tell. The city general fund has, I mean, there were a few small contributions. I'm looking at this graph, supposedly, of the plan. Um, so from fiscal year 2015 to fiscal year 2019, there were small contributions from the general fund. So that would have been the city of Detroit. Um, but for most years, there wasn't. There was this retiree protection fund that was making contributions. But um, it was mainly the employees to make the contributions to the fund. And then the amortization contributions they're expecting to make starting fiscal year 2024, which started July 1st, 2023, um, was going to start and they were going to amortize this and this was the original agreement this is my understanding i'm not getting in the middle of a lawsuit obviously but let's think about how did this happen especially since supposedly these pensions had been making full payments all this time up until this point now in the earlier in the reason magazine article they did mention the fraud and that was Part of it, but not the whole explanation. There were a couple other things going on in Detroit. If I remember correctly, they had something that's called 13th check. And that was um, like a little bonus that you get at the end of the year. You get an extra pension check and that basically destroyed any, if you had any extra returns for the year from the assets, they came off. You're like, okay, so you never were, you had a down year. Well, those were supposed to, on your investment income, that's supposed to be counteracted for when you had good returns. But if in the years where you have good returns, you skim them off with a 13th check, well, you can never make up for the bad return years. So that was another practice. But there's something else. And there's all sorts of things that were an actuarial practice. I'm going to go back to my November 2014 post where I was excerpting from other people's comments that pointed out some of the actuarial funding tricks. I mean, that's basically what it was. And it had to do with that pay more later. It was amortizing any unfunded liabilities. So you, you fell short, you know, the investments weren't good that year. The experience wasn't good. Um, and we'll ignore the 13th check for now. 
how do you amortize that shortfall? Well, they basically amortized it in a rolling manner. It was open amortization. It never would ever get paid off. You're not ever expecting to hit 100% and level percent of payroll. That assumes your payroll is increasing. Well, and you're also hoping you're going to pay more later. You're hoping your tax base is going to be growing. Well, I was just looking at the Wikipedia page of the Detroit <laughs> Detroit um, population. Let's look at how the po Detroit population has gone census to census. So the Wikipedia page, Demographic History of Detroit, has the decennial census numbers. And, you know, it starts out really teeny in 1820 and hits its peak in 1950 at 1 1.8 million. And then we're at 1.7 million in 1960, 1 1.5 million in 1970. We're going to be dipping below 1 million at some point. 1.2 million in 1980. That's quite the dip. Then we're at 1 million in 1990. You see where this is going. Now we're at 950,000 in 2000. Now we're at 710,000 in 2010 and 640,000 in 2020. And I'm sure it's lower even still in 2022 and 2023. Sorry, we're 2023 now. But if you go to the census, the most recent um, uh, estimate is going to be uh, 2023 from the census. Well, on the page, they have population percentage change 2010 to 2020, and it went down decrease 10.5%. That's quite the drop. How are you supposed to support that? When I was looking at this before at prior blogs, I looked at the change from 2000 to 2010, and there was a 10% drop, um, and that's Detroit. Now, the surrounding county, Wayne County, Michigan, um, it had grown from 2000 to 2010, if I remember correctly, but for 2010 to 2020, it decreased 1.5%. So you can't even look to the surrounding county to support you. Um, now, maybe the tax base increased, but I'm going to guess, no, it did not. So let me look and quote at what, this, what was said in this piece in 2014. All those eye-glazing board meetings, the bewildering calculations, the talk of required contributions, and research on whether cities are paying them or not, those things have apparently confused the public into thinking that as long as an actuary follows the standards and a city or state follows the actuary's advice, a solvent public pension system will be the result. Not so. To make his point, Mr. Kramer cited two popular actuarial methods used in Detroit until now and still in many other places, rolling amortization, which pushes costs endlessly into the future, and pension contributions calculated as a percentage of an assumed rising payroll, which backloads the funding. Those methods do not pay down the principal, Mr. Kramer wrote, and they are fragile if the payroll and the tax, rev no, tax base are not increasing. And definitely, if they're not increasing at the rate you're assuming, the higher the growth rate you are assuming, for that 
payroll growth and that tax base growth, you're not going to be able to support it. So this was my comment. Various valuation and funding practices were nixed for private defined benefit plans as per ERISA. So ERISA is the federal law that covers private retirement plans. And that includes defined contribution, by the way, because they made the plans less safe for participants in the event of a pension sponsor bankruptcy. Why do some public defined benefit plans still use these approaches? The obvious answer is that it makes it pensions look cheaper than they actually are, or that they keep pushing off to later years what they should be paying today. But one still needs cover of a sort to get away with it. The justification often used for these approaches is governments don't go out of business. And that's what they say. Governments don't go out of business. Also, some of these governmental entities cannot file for bankruptcy. So Detroit could. Illinois can't. But just because there's no established legal bankruptcy process does not mean governments cannot go bankruptcy in fact. Because they obviously do. Just because there's no formal bankruptcy process for states does not mean that Illinois can't ever go bankrupt. Or California or New Jersey or Rhode Island. They can, and I won't be surprised if several will over the next 20 years. So, ooh, shit. I said that in 2014, so I have until 2034. Hmm, okay. And no, there won't be federal bailouts. Well, I was wrong about that, but it took COVID to make it happen. Not all states have these problems, and certainly not to the extent of the worst players above. So, that was in 2014. So, over the years, I've had a variety of posts. In 2018, I looked at a connection between Detroit and Chicago public schools. So here is something that I didn't realize in the Detroit bankruptcy and other people may not have realized. Detroit schools, Detroit public schools were not covered by the bankruptcy. That was a separate entity. It has its own debt and other things going on. So just putting that out there. Then... In 2016, I reviewed the book Detroit Resurrected by Nathan Bomey. And it's a very good book. Now, it's if you want a lot of numerical analysis and that kind of thing, of or financial analysis, you're not going to get that from that book. Uh, that's not what Detroit Resurrected is about. It is about all the wheeling and dealing that went into basically the largest municipal bankruptcy the United States has had thus far <laughs> until Chicago gets to it. So let me, uh, you know, read from my review and I, I want to note, and I've taken to this, especially with my hardcovers, I do write in my books now, the ones I own, because, hey, I own them and making notes and book is awesome. And I mean, that's ov obviously a great thing about eBooks, but do it on your physical books too. Okay. So, amazingly fair book, thick on details. Nathan Bomey created a compelling narrative out of the bankruptcy workout of Detroit lasting from July 2013 to December 2014. One expects an epic fight from the largest municipal bankruptcy ever, so far, 
But what I came across was unexpected, a fast-paced narrative detailing the major players and most importantly, letting those players explain themselves. And aside, for the prim, I will warn, there's a lot of New York City language coming from particular players. It's not a Games of Thrones bad. After all, nobody gets killed. Spoiler alert. No sexy romps and definitely a dearth of direwolves. But yes, plenty of strong opinions uttered using vulgarities. It was so refreshing to see the narrative played out where there are no real villains except some hazy groups, like a hapless city council and the definitely named Kwame Kilpatrick, but he's off stage by the beginning of the book, being bundled off to federal prison along with some of his cronies. But even the biggest losers in the deal, Bond ensures FGIC and Sincora get their say. They're not made out to be evil Wall Street players, but players representing their own interests and making their own claims for fairness. The only Detroit institution leaving unscathed in the deal was the Art Museum, DIA. One gets to hear of the sense of betrayal by all of the players, within and without Detroit, without their particular pain being mocked. The book has plenty of conflict, surprising alliances, and a few interesting twists at the end, which cleared up some mysteries to me at the time. I thought the pacing was really well done, and Bomi did a good job of explaining salient technical points, like present value, relatively quickly, and enough detail for the lay reader to understand. Excellent book for the general public. It will also be a great study for law and business schools for people learning about negotiation in high-stakes situations that seem like zero-sum. So, you know, that's kind of my capsule review. But at the end, and I then I start getting into quibbles and some of the stuff that I wrote because he did let the players represent. He did not inject himself. This is why I like Bomi's reporting he did not inject his own opinion that was not his job he's reporting um now this some of the stuff i wrote in my book was my mm -hmm, pushback on what the specific players were saying and you know that i did not agree with what some of the people were saying now I did say something, and this was, again, this was from 2016, and the book ends with the exit from bankruptcy, so it ends basically in December 2014, uh, maybe a little bit after. Okay, but now I did want to, and it's supposed to be a happy ending because it's Detroit resurrected, and the concept of the bankruptcy is you clear away your debts, you get to an agreement and then you're gone and then it's gone but let me read my last couple of paragraphs or about the last couple of paragraphs so here is my point the point is it wasn't a totally fresh start some obligations are still hanging over the city as noted in an earlier post the Detroit public schools were separate from all this and they're not in the best of shape beyond the dismal education their financial picture is ugly. Then there are a few ongoing lawsuits, and I haven't checked their status lately. I believe the deal deals made as recounted in the book will hold for now. But the defined benefit pensions still exist. 
they've not been wrapped up in a captive insurer like a life insurance company does when it cuts off a line of business and tries to manage what we call a runoff block. When the insurer does that, it has the capital and reserves to back that business in hopes no additional capital. And then it can walk away without worrying about it. But even with pensions cut, there's still an unfunded amount. And so the current lawsuit has to do with basically putting to bed that unfunded amount, amortizing that away. But part of the problem is there's still uncertainty baked into it and there may be problems ahead. Now, I'm going to still end on a happy ending. This is though from 2018, supposedly. Um, <laughs> I mean, happy, happy ending, supposedly. We'll see about this. Okay, so this is not exactly happy. This is from May 2018. The happy news was Detroit is responsible for itself again. And this was an official press release from the city of Detroit. Uh, Detroit exits active state financial oversight, achieves full self-governance for first time in four decades. Four decades. So this precedes the bankruptcy. The State Financial Review Commission, which was created in late 2014 to oversee Detroit's finances as it emerged from bankruptcy, voted unanimously today to end active oversight after the city delivered its third consecutive audited by balanced budget. During its three years of active oversight, the FRC had final decision-making power on all city budgets, collective bargaining agreements, and contracts larger than $750,000. The FRC will continue to exist for a 10-year term, although it will play no active role in City of Detroit operations. The city will be required to submit monthly financial reports and will also submit its adopted budget and four-year financial plan each year. So long as the city continues to balance its budgets and meet other basic fiscal requirements, the FRC will stay inactive for the rest of its existence. So evidently there has been some kind of active oversight of Detroit for decades. There was another happy story about businesses investing in Detroit, but that was 2018. And, you know, we've kind of had a COVID thing in between. I don't know that this is necessarily, you know, this is old news. But this is how I ended. It was a piece from M Live at the time. Detroit released from state oversight, expensive debt and pension bills loom. Detroit's chief financial officer said the city's biggest unresolved financial challenges will come in 2024 when the city will begin paying roughly $160 million per year, dollars per year toward the pension systems that currently cover 30,000 former city employees and $70 million towards unaddressed debts. Both of Detroit's pension systems, one for general employees and another for police and firefighters, are currently underfunded. The general pension is funded at about 65% and the police and fire pension at 75%, according to Kevin Kabaki, executive director of the Financial Review Commission. So those pensions are still sitting there. And so now you can see why the police and fire 
public pensions want their money sooner because of course Detroit could go bankrupt again and that debt could get cut again that is a problem um, the population of Detroit has been shrinking for decades and the question is you know will they have the money to pay the reason why the city wants to do an amortization over 30 years is that they will pay less money each year compared to a 20-year amortization that is why the reason the police and fire want the money sooner over you know get it in 20 payments rather than 30 payments guess what it reduces their credit risk as it were in terms of that the city will default on them they want their money faster and i don't blame them um this is going to be touchy and i don't know how the how the lawsuit will turn out or you know if it's already finished um and of course it's a bankruptcy is not a good thing obviously that was a very large bankruptcy and they got lucky in their deal making that they had a hostage in the detroit institute of arts in that they had all of this art that a bunch of locals didn't want to see sold off to other museums around the country and around the world a lot of the art in the dia of course is not anything specific to detroit or michigan it's just internationally renowned art that would be just fine in the met or the getty or you know any at moma any major museum um it's not necessarily special to detroit but some people wanted it in detroit it was part of a collection or this that and the other and uh it was used as a bargaining chip people have you know it's called a grand bargain well people refer to that often when they look at the state of chicago which cannot file in bankruptcy court without the express permission of the illinois legislature um and from time to time people say oh yeah they should they should file for bankruptcy well it's all political there has to be a political will to do this and people have looked at what happened in detroit a whole bunch of things happened that had not happened before in federal bankruptcy and i'm not referring to the art museum i'm referring to cutting pension benefits to people who are already retired and like I, i'm sure people are saying oh but i've heard of that before yeah to people who had worked for private companies not for public pensioners that was a first time um, that it was part of a bankruptcy workout that they had benefits cut in a municipal bankruptcy and there were a lot of external players that were very interested in not seeing that happen and not having that precedent set set but it was set and it's there for all future municipal bankruptcies and federal bankruptcy judges now um i will say one more thing about this and then we'll go the thing is for municipal bankruptcies the way these things get worked out 
that municipal government in general is uh, the one that sets the terms of the agreement. Again, it's all political. So if that government decides that no, because of political concerns, they are not going to cut retiree benefits and you know they come in front of a federal judge they may get that plan accepted but a judge may look at precedents i mean again i'm not a lawyer but a judge and people other interested parties may argue that this is not an equitable settling of debts between creditors and a federal judge may look at that precedent of detroit and say hmm maybe you're correct so again i'm not a lawyer but precedent had been set something to think about in any case that's where detroit stands now they have to start making payments now the question is how much because you know whether it's a 20-year amortization or 30-year amortization is going to make a difference how much gets paid into those funds so litigation there you go that's been Stump, Death and Taxes. I will talk to y'all another time.